it's an industry and, and, and a craft that's constantly changing. Like you can read screenplays from 10 years ago that would get snubbed from a competition today because the formatting is, is different or, you know, they have things in there that you just don't do now. So you always got to be open and willing to learn and, you know, find people that know what they're talking about. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Mindset Podcast with me, Christina Adams. And me, Ellie Betts. Each week, we're here to bring you the strategies and advice you need to achieve your publishing goals. This week, we're talking to Kevin Wilde about the screenwriting industry and what it's like to get serious about writing no matter how old you are. interviewee this week is Kevin Wilde. He's an award-winning American screenwriter. His horror thriller screenplay Murdoch is currently signed to a shopping agreement with Four Thieves Productions and his co-written LGBTQ romantic comedy Get the Girl is signed to a shopping agreement with Disrupting Influence. I spoke to him about his screenwriting career and what inspired and motivated him to start writing at 39. People often think if you don't start writing when you're like two, you've got no chance of ever getting published. But some of the best, most well-known writers out there didn't even start until they were middle-aged. In fact, I think I wrote a blog post on this. Can't remember wherefore. I don't know, was it for this site called The Writer's Cookbook, maybe? That's, that sounds really familiar. Maybe I'll check on thewriterscookbook.com to see if I can find it. Yeah, I'll include a link to it in the show notes because it is a very good blog post about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you find this and our other episodes valuable, you can support the writer's mindset over on Patreon. Over there, you'll get access to um, early episodes, bonus content, and our undying gratitude for supporting all the work that goes into creating these episodes for you. And you can become a podcast patron for as little as £1 per month. That's $1.50. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash writer's mindset. This week, since our personal updates are going to include more editing of Hollywood Heartbreak and The Mummy's Curse for me, and more dissertation writing for Ellie, we've decided to play a book-related version of Room 101 instead. Room 101 is the name of the torture room from 1984. It is also a TV show where people talk about their pet hates and why those things deserve the label of the worst thing in the world and to be put into Room 101. Yes, and it's a shame, much. I didn't realise this TV show got discontinued in 2018, but it's still a concept that I will continue to use. So, Ellie, what's your entry to Room 101? So, my entry for Room 101 is really complicated names in books where there's lots of them and I lose track. Normally this is fantasy. So I love reading fantasy, as you know, but there are certain ones out there where there'll be, I'll get a few complicated names in and I've not really paid attention to any of them because I just skim read them and I've no idea who anyone is or what's going on or what I'm supposed to be paying attention to because it's just too complicated. Too and if a lot of those names are made up, then surely there's nowhere telling you how to pronounce them either precisely how am I supposed to know how to pronounce this collection of consonants you know it just it's not helpful it doesn't help me to pay attention yeah I get what you mean I have to confess I don't generally read books like that because that is kind of more of an epic fantasy trope but my contribution is nothing to do with epic fantasy um mine is book recommendations 
And it's because people like see what I write and assume I will read something based on like one shared trope with what I've published. Like that dual point of view, Christina will like it. Like, no, that's not why I write in dual point of view. It's not because I like it. If I could write in one point of view and tell my story, I bloody well would. It's the fact that I can't get away from writing dual point of view. I've really tried to write some of my books in single point of view. And so far, I have one idea that could possibly work a single point of view. But like for me, it's not about the genre. It's not always about the tropes, although I generally only read things that have romance in just because I like a romance, regardless of anything else going on. For me, it's about the writing style primarily. And if I find it too verbose or too flowery or just too complicated, then it loses me and... I like things that are simple to read, which is why I like young adult. It's why I like new adult. It's why I like romance because they don't try too hard. They are there to be easy reads. And why can't we just enjoy something that it's easy to read? So yeah, that is our contributions to Room 101. We'd love to know what your Room 101 contributions are. Let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or in our free Facebook group, which is writerscookbook.com forward slash Facebook group. Today, I am joined by screenwriter Kevin Wilde. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. I've followed the writer's cookbook for a couple of years now, and I'm a big fan. So this is an honor. Thank you. That's really lovely to hear. It's so weird to me, like when people say things like that, it's like, oh yeah, I've been running this since 2014. People did read it. Yeah. <laughs> people do read it. <laughs> I, I don't remember how I stumbled upon it um, in the depths of the internet, but I'm glad I, glad that I did. Me too. Thank you. It, I think um, one of the rules I've heard of content marketing is that if people can't remember how they found you, you've done a good job because it shows you provide so much value. That's a good point. I like that. So tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey so far. Um, Well, my name is Kevin Wilde. Like you said, I'm a screenwriter from a really small town in Indiana in the United States. I currently have two screenplays that are signed to uh, what's called a shopping agreement with Hollywood production companies. So fingers crossed. That doesn't mean that it's going to be made, but... um, it means that someone believed in it enough to try to get investors and bigger production companies on board. So that's really cool. I write across a variety of genres, but I kind of, I always go back to horror and thrillers, kind of my main passion. I do like to write comedy as well. So my journey started not that long ago in comparison to some people. About three years ago, when I was 39, I had dabbled with writing off and on most of my adult life, but just a short story here or there, just no one ever read it. I started a novel a couple times and I I don't think I ever made it past the first chapter, maybe because of ADD, maybe because I just thought it was pointless. Um, like no one's ever going to read this. Um, and we've all been there. <laughs> now here I am. <laughs> so you said you dabbled in writing. What made you commit to writing? That's a good question. As lame as it sounds, I was just kind of, you know how you get go down like a YouTube wormhole? I ended up listening to a successful screenwriter in an interview. He was talking about his process and kind of just everything that goes into it. And I found myself really fascinated by it. So then I start searching more stuff and reading. And I'm like, I think I'm more of a movie guy than a novel guy. It's an attention span thing. But it never crossed my mind living where I live, like to write 
a movie. Like that's something only people in Hollywood do, right? But I started like learning more about it and thought, you know, like this would be really fun. I'm just going to like see what I can do and write one. And then I started writing more and just learning more. And I just be kind of kind of became obsessed with it and started kind of meeting some people. I entered one of my scripts into a small little like monthly contest and it won. And I was like, well, maybe I could be good at this. And so I started entering some little festivals and contests and having a little bit of success. And it's really fun to me to be able to just create this world, um, you know, like you do with novels. But um, for me, um, I don't know, I would like to write a novel someday. But for me, screenwriting just comes so much more naturally. Um, it's all storytelling, but it's just a different craft, you know. Um, so, yeah, just a, a random video on YouTube, I guess, is what kind of like, hey, I could do this. I believe that the, the guy was um, not, he didn't live in Hollywood either or anything. And I'm like, well, I, I can do this. Um, you know, if, if this person did it, why can't I kind of thing? So I just kind of dove into it. Yeah, I love that just a random video inspired you. That's so great because inspiration and motivation can come from anywhere, can't it? It really can. That's Yes, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your current work in progress then. How did you come to work on that? Well, as most writers, I probably have more current projects going than I should. But the one that's kind of my baby is um, is called Murdoch. And it's not a true story, but I, I based it off of something that happened in the small town where I grew up uh, years ago when I was like a teenager. Um, and it's this guy committed a murder, which like in a town that small doesn't that's like doesn't happen. So it's, you know, a huge, a huge deal there. And the 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 weird part about it is that he didn't spend very much time in prison. I mean, the United States justice system is a little uh, complicated, we'll say. I mean, he was out of prison within, I want to say, six <laughs> to eight years. Um, and so when he was getting released from prison, there was this kind of just panic in this small town like this guy's getting out he's gonna be living here again like what the hell's going on nothing ever really happened i don't think he ever did anything again but that's not the point so i took that idea and kind of elaborated and and um made my own story out of that because it was kind of a interesting unique situation to be in um living there at the time and there's this murder that's getting out and just gonna be right back in the community like nothing happened so I sort of took that idea and turned it into what I hope is a really cool um, horror movie soon. Uh, it's one of the ones that has a shopping agreement. So somebody liked it. And um, I, I I love like 90s horror, like Scream and that whole genre. It's kind of like when horror was fun. And I want to bring that back. I want to make horror fun again. Um and scary, but you know, you should have a good time watching it. It shouldn't be a snooze fest. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how that one came about. It sounds like a really cool premise. Good luck with that. Oh, thank you. So one of our listeners wanted to know, do you use a screenwriting formula like save the cat and how have you found using it? Do you find it beneficial? Do you find it's detrimental? I know that a lot of people have got a lot of good use out of, uh, that and other sort of formulas. I guess it's a personal choice, but for me personally, I, I don't, I feel like it boxes you in a little bit and, and keeps you, I mean, it, it minimizes the creativity in my opinion. 
Um, if you're writing, a, I mean, there's more than one way to tell a story. You know, that's certainly one way and it's certainly had success. That doesn't mean you have to do it. So I, I think I think of writing as an art and I don't think art should be um, boxed into a formula. It's not math, you know. Um, however, like I said, if, if it helps, if somebody's stuck and they can refer back to that and it helps them through their story, that's that's great. But for me personally, I don't want to be writing a story and then think, oh, wait, I can't do that because this book or that book said that I couldn't. To me, that's it's more detrimental for me personally. But, you know, I'm not knocking it. Um, if it helps some people, that's great. But for me, I, I'm not a fan. I think with formulas, they're really good for like inspiration and right. to, study, to study. But you do kind of have to pick and choose the elements of them that are most beneficial for you. Because if you try and follow something like to the nth degree, then you it may be just as detrimental as writing without a plan at all and no idea where you're going if you're the kind mm -hmm. of person who needs to be organized. Yeah, absolutely. There's some it's kind of like um, I've heard several people in the industry say you, you have to know the rules to be able to break them. Um, so I think it's important to know, but don't think that you have to follow it to a T, I guess, would be my point. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I um, I studied poetry. And that was one of the things we talked about a lot is like in poetry, things like knowing the rules of grammar and about language usage are really important because you can't break them to have the right emotional impact on your audience if you don't first understand their purpose and how to use them. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I agree with that 100%. <clears throat> it's important to know, but... Um, only so you can properly break the rules when you want to. Exactly. Talking about writing process then, what is your writing process like for your screenplay? Do you take advantage of things like editors or beta readers like someone would with a novel? That's from one of our listeners, Craig, as well. Oh, that's a great question. Um, and again, everyone's is different. So I'm not saying you should do it like this. This is just what works um, for me. I mean, as writers, we always have ideas constantly flowing in our heads, right? So if I think I've got a good one, I'll kind of jot it down. You know, I've got a, a um, notebook. I'm old school, I'm, so I, I like to write it with pen and paper and just kind of jot down the ideas. And if, if there's one that you kind of keep coming back to, find yourself like elaborating on it or just really you can't get out of your head, then that's kind of how I know, okay, this is this is the story I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this one. I'm going to write it. So from there, I'm not a huge detailed outline person. Some people are, and that works great for them. Um, I don't just go in with nothing, but I, I've seen some people that have some really elaborate outlines. I kind of hit on like, I mean, you have to know your ending um, and, you, and you know your beginning and your ending. And then some just major plot points or like some, if you have a scene in your head that you you just feel like has to be in there, like write it down, make sure it gets in there somewhere. But really, I like to know my beginning and my end. And then I let the characters dictate how they get there, um, which sounds weird. But I think writers are maybe the only people who understand that. Like I, my characters are telling the story to an extent as I'm writing. Like sometimes they'll do things that I had no intention of. And I'm like, um, wow. So that's kind of the process for the first draft. Um, I don't worry. I used to, but I've, it's something I've learned um, is to not worry too much about your first draft because you're going to rewrite it so many times. It'll make you sick anyways. So 
you can't edit blank pages. So make sure you just get your your first draft done. It's going to suck. Who cares? No one's going to read it. But that way you can go through and on your rewrite and say, okay, this doesn't make sense. I don't really like that. What if I did this instead? Um, so really that second rewrite is where a lot of it comes together. And then, and you know, don't worry too much about grammar and punctuation in that first draft. Again, you're going to go through all this multiple times. Um, as far as a reader, I'm lucky enough to have um, kind of a close-knit group of screenwriter friends. Um, my best friend who I co-wrote one of my scripts with, um, she's a screenwriter in LA and we always read each other's stuff and give honest feedback, bounce ideas off of each other. You know, Hey, I thought it'd be cool. And then, you know, if I like it, I'll put it in. If I don't, I won't. Um, you can't get your feelings hurt. If you want true feedback, your real friends will tell you, Hey, this, this is shit. Um, or, Hey, this is great, but it could be better. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, it's really, really great to have people to be able to read over your stuff and give your honest, their honest opinion. Um, and there's, if you don't, um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky to have that, especially living where I live. So Thank you, Internet, for making all this possible. But um, there, there are uh, services that you can use. That There's some that, I mean, you got to research because some are not great. But one that I use is called We Screenplay. Um, yes, it costs money, but I feel like it's worth it. Um, within three days, they read your screenplay and send you back five or six pages worth of notes. And it's, you know, notes are subjective. You can't be somebody that, um, isn't going to take any criticism and thinks your work's perfect because it's not. You have to be open to it. Uh, but then at the same time, you don't have to take every single note that one reader gives you and make every single little change. You kind of just take, read it all. Some of it you agree with, some of it you don't. Um, and you move forward from there. Um, now, if you hear the same note more than once, I always say, um, you probably need to look in t into it. If more than one person has noticed the same thing and thinks it's an issue, um, might want to make some changes there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like to have people read it, get feedback, make it the best I can be. That's a mistake I think everybody makes early on is you write something and you just can't wait for someone to read it. But oftentimes beginning writers, myself included, do that too soon. Like you don't want anyone other than friends and, and stuff like that. You don't want to send it to a producer or a publisher um, or an agent or a manager unless until. So I kind of got off subject a little bit there, but that's, that's um, sort of my process. It's all about rewriting. Writing is rewriting. They say, so, you know, I've, I've heard of, what was it? I was watching an interview with the, screenwriter that wrote um prisoners with jake gyllenhaal uh, it's one of my favorite films and i think he said they did 54 rewrites on that um which i don't know that i could i don't know that i have that in me um i'm usually somewhere between eight and ten but you know if someone was paying me to rewrite it that may feel differently about it but i mean the, the point is it's don't expect it to be perfect on your first draft. Get feedback from people you trust and keep rewriting it until 
you feel like you can't make it any better and it's ready to release into the world. It's really interesting hearing you talk about that because my process for doing a novel is fairly similar. Like my notes are quite thin, but I always know the beginning and the end and all of the key scenes. And I don't show it's probably the second or third, probably more like the third draft that people actually see my beta readers, I mean, Mm -hmm. and then I'll do a couple more iterations before I even consider doing anything else with it. And if it's a genre that I'm new to or a new series, it will probably be even more drafts than that because I'm still figuring out the characters and making sure everything works and flows and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's a good point. Um, which when you're writing something that you're not necessarily used to research is important too. Like I have a, uh, vampire script that I originally had no intention of making a vampire script. It's just one of those things that happened as I was writing it, but I loved the idea, but I mean, there, I like vampire movies and stuff, but there's a whole world out there that it's like, they take that really seriously. And I, um, I think it's important to, um, like I did so much research and learned so much about vampire culture and all these different terms and, and things, because you want it to be accurate. If you're writing something you're not familiar with, definitely is important to to do your research. It's going to take longer, but it'll be worth it. You'll have a more authentic product in the end. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to your writing career, what setbacks have you faced so far and how have you overcome them? Well, I'd say one, I guess, setback might not be the right term for it, but just being, I still live in Indiana. It's um, nowhere near Hollywood. Um, But I've learned that you don't necessarily have to be, which is kind of surprising, especially now, if, it, if this were in the 1980s or 90s, yeah, you, you probably do. But with the Internet and Zoom um, and Skype and, and things like that, um, you know, I've been able to have meetings with with people in Hollywood here in the comfort of my home. Um, so it is a bit different if you want to go into TV writing, which I, I do eventually, which will require a move to L.A., because there you actually go in a writer's room with usually eight to 10 other writers and you have to physically be there. For now, with the pandemic, they probably they're doing some of that with uh, Zoom and that kind of thing. But I don't think that's the long term. I hope not anyways. So, yeah, if you if you want to write TV, yeah, you, you pretty much got to live in L.A. But if you're writing films, um, you can do it from anywhere in the world. Um, so I guess... That's a setback that I didn't necessarily overcome myself, uh, but that I learned how to utilize um, the things that were available to me. I guess another would be my, my age, but I'm finding that that doesn't matter either. There's been countless, uh, well, we'll get into that later. I think it's an, another question, but um, so... I guess those would be the the thing, just where I'm from and and getting a late start. But getting a late start, the way I overcome that is I think like I don't I'm not 20 years old. I don't have time to like dilly dally around like I've got to do this now. It kind of keeps me motivated to not be lazy. Like I I don't have as much time as some people. I didn't go to film school, which I don't think you necessarily you definitely don't have to. But that can definitely help meet a lot of people and open a lot of doors. But yeah, just using. what I can um, through the internet and staying motivated by realizing that I'm um, 
a little bit old to be getting a start um, in some people's eyes. Speaking of getting your start then, how did you get started in Hollywood? I, I don't love the term networking, but it's what most people would refer to as networking. I, that sounds to me like you're just meeting someone to see how you can use them to help your career. I, I like to think of it more as making friends in the industry, like people that you actually connect with. So I've been able to do that through um, social media has been huge. I've uh, met a lot of people in the industry um, through social media and just different platforms on the internet. There's one called Stage 32 that's great. It's just a, a bunch of writers and filmmakers who all just connect um, in different ways. Um, Roadmap Writers is another one. There's screenwriting groups on Facebook and different things like that where you just just meet people. There's you know some, you're not going to connect with everyone, but find your find your tribe. Uh, they say. Um, which I've done. You got a, a small group of industry people that um, have had some success and that know what they're doing and that are willing to help you, um, which I've found, I don't know why I find it surprising, but I guess I, I find it a little surprising just how nice everyone in the industry is. Like, I don't know why I just kind of thought everyone would be like an asshole, like stuck up, but most people that I've met in the industry have been super nice and willing to help people like me. So it's really, I'm really appreciative of that. I stumbled, you know, with social media and stuff, I um, stumbled upon like kind of an intern gig um, for a screenwriting blog. Um, and I, I got the chance to interview a lot of like famous screenwriters or famous in the screenwriter world. Screenwriters aren't typically famous. We're kind of like the drummer in the band. Like you can't do it without us, but no one really cares about you. Um, so I, I got to interview um, John August, who's written several Tim Burton films and, and different things. Um, Jay Linder, who uh, wrote the first few seasons on SpongeBob and some other really famous cartoons and the guys that wrote A Quiet Place. So like, I got to interview them and, and ask them questions that other screenwriters such as myself would want to know. And I, and I learned a lot from that um, and made some connections that way, too. Um, that's where I met my best friend who lives in L.A. So it's just it's it's not just about writing. You can be a great writer, but if you don't know anybody or have any connections in the industry, it's hard to to make it anywhere. And not that I've made it really anywhere yet, but um, I plan on it. Um, so yeah, it's about making connections and being genuine with people, not just meeting them for the sake to see how they can help you and, you know, that kind of thing. So I've, I've got my small tribe of people and we're all just helping each other and taking each other to the top, hopefully. I love that. Everyone's supporting each other because there is this misconception that writers are just always super competitive and no one helps anyone, but actually most writers who are even moderately successful are willing to help other people get their start. Yeah, absolutely. There are those that are, you know, not willing to help, but it's usually the those the ones that have had success um are the ones that are willing to help. So it, it kind of it works out. Um because you know they there was probably someone that helped them when they were coming up. Um so they kind of want to give back. So um yeah people are willing to help. It's it's all about asking questions too like i still learn something every day and writers that i know that have been writing a lot longer than me 
I mean, you, you learn stuff every day, whether about the industry or about the craft. And it's an industry and, and, and a craft that's constantly changing. Like you can read screenplays from 10 years ago that would get snubbed from a competition today because the formatting is, is different or, you know, they have things in there that you just don't do now. So you always got to be open and willing to learn and, you know, find people that know what they're talking about. There's a lot of bad advice on the internet, but there's a lot of good advice too. Um, so be careful who you listen to and, um, and trust. Um, there's a lot of people that think they know what they're talking about and they don't. Um, I think we've all learned that probably a little bit um, the hard way. Um, but there's, there's plenty of, of good help and good advice out there as well. So just got to sift through and, and figure out what is what's right. Was there anything else that surprised you about the screenwriting industry other than how nice everyone is? Yes. the By far the biggest thing that surprised me is how small of a town Hollywood is, like how small of an industry filmmaking is in Hollywood. I mean, everybody knows everybody. And that's why it's important to not make a bad name for yourself. Um, you don't want to be somebody that's known as hard to work with um, or just a, a jerk in general, because word travels fast. And um, that's why you see people get blacklisted from Hollywood for various reasons, because once somebody has a, a bad experience with you, I mean, people remember names. And if you're that person that was a, you know, terrible to work with on set or, you know, refused to implement the notes that the producer gave them, if you're a writer, um, whatever it may be, you're bad mouthing other writers or, or artists, like, don't do that. That would be my advice. Um, if you went to a movie and you thought it was sucked and it was terrible, keep it to yourself. Don't go, don't go making posts on social media about it because it sounds far-fetched, but it, it's not because it's such a small community. Um, if you're someone that's in the industry and you do that, um, that person or any person in their clique is not going to want to work with you. Um, so that would be, I guess, my advice for that is remember it's a small uh, community and um, keep any negative comments about other people's work uh, to yourself because it's it's hard to get a movie made. The fact that, you know, if some somebody wrote something and it made it to any sort of screen, um, that's a huge accomplishment. Whether you think it sucks or not um, is irrelevant. And a lot of times it's people that are bitter that they're, they haven't gotten to that point yet that like to, to talk. You don't see a lot of professional people going, oh, I went to see Black Widow and it was terrible. You know, you can think it's terrible, uh, but just keep it to yourself. So far then, what is the biggest lesson you've taken away from your writing journey? Patience. It's not something I... I'm known to have a lot of like I, but I, I'm learning because there, there's a couple reasons. Um, one I touched on earlier was um, rewrites. You know, y you can go write a first draft as quick as you want, but it's you know it takes patience and time um, to get it ready to get it right to where anyone's going to take it seriously. The other aspect of that is rejection. Like you're going to get rejected a lot in the industry no matter how good you are because it's all subjective and it's just a part it's not fun like no one loves getting rejected but if you're the type of person that gets rejected and and go you know curl up in a ball and 
are willing to give up. One thing I always like to go back to, and there's thousands of examples, but I'm a big um, fan of the show Stranger Things. And I read that it got rejected by something like 12 or 14 studios before it got picked up. I, I guess a lot of a lot of them said no one would watch a show starring a bunch of kids and different little reasons like that that they probably regret now. George Lucas had a hard time finding anyone interested in Star Wars in the 70s. So, I mean, like even the biggest, most popular um, things got rejected several times. Um, it only takes one yes. So, you know, that would be kind of my advice there is just to, to keep going. Um, a lot of times somebody will like like your pitch or like your script, but it's just not the right fit for what they're looking for. So patience is definitely the thing I not only learned, but am still learning um, is, is um, you know, be patient, get your, your work perfected as much as possible. And then after that, be ready to hear no. No, 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 no. But like I said, um, it only takes one yes. So just be patient. Keep honing your craft and keep going and keep pitching and and don't stop until somebody tells you yes. How did you build that resilience to be able to get patient and handle all those inevitable rejections to find that one yes? Um, alcohol. No, I'm kidding. Um, just hearing others, um, <laughs> hearing other people's stories of rejection and like, um, like my best friend, for instance, she has a, a script that's in pre-production, a TV show. And I read the script and it was fantastic. And just to hear that anybody ever said no to it, um, kind of gave me hope. Like, well, if they said no to that, you know, they're going to say no to mine, too. And just hearing hearing stories of people that got told no time and time again and then finally get that yes. And then, you know, that's kind of what keeps me going. And the fact that I've on a, on a small scale had that um, myself, um, the two projects that I have that are signed to shopping agreements. That's not the first people that I pitched those to by far. I heard a lot of no's. Um, and then somebody finally said, hey, it's. You know, I like that. And um, basically a, a, a yes in a small way. So um, it's not easy, but I, you know, if you want it bad enough, you just accept that you're going to get rejected several times. Um, but eventually you'll get a yes and everything will be fine. But you have to persevere long enough to get that yes in the first place. Yes. Yeah, you, you have to. And sometimes it takes years no matter how great you think your work is not everybody is going to think that you just want to find that one important person that agrees with you um i mean it could take it can take 10 years it could take 20 years um for now you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket so to speak you, you want to be working on other stuff while you're while you're getting rejected for this project that may take years to get a yes you want to have several things to, to put out there to increase your chances of a yes but yeah, uh, resilience. Don't give up, even though you f it feels it's you feel like it sometimes, but it's it's not worth it. You put in too much work to to give up. What would you say then if someone has reached a certain age, whatever that age is, and they already feel like they're too old to write, whether that is to write and finish a project and shop it around, or even just to sit down and finish something for themselves? If you're still breathing, and 
you're and you're able to move um you're not too old and that's another thing where let the internet be your friend um google um writers who started late it's it's astonishing there's actually way more than people think mark twain for instance, was 41 when he started writing. Bram Stoker, I think, was like 50 when he wrote Dracula. J.K. Rowling um, was no spring chicken when she wrote Harry Potter. Um, the list goes on and on. Um, and some people even older. I, I, I know people just from the screenwriting groups and stuff that are in their 60s or 70s. And they're out there. They're just like, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to do it. And they're writing. And, you know, and, and some have had great success so um yeah you're, you're never too old um what was it charles bukowski i think i read quit his job at the post office when he was 49 and said i'd rather starve and write than keep doing this um i'm not saying go quit your job but um you know he didn't starve for long he had success uh, starting that late so it is it's never too late um it's really not it sounds cliche do I wish I would have realized this is what I wanted to do with my life 20 years ago? Absolutely. But, you know, you can't change the past. So you just got to start, hit the ground running wherever you're at in your life. And if you really want to do it and just do it. I love that. That's super inspiring. Well, thank you. We ask this question of all our guests. So I've got to know, what's one book that changed your life? That's a great question. Um, it's hard to say changed my life, but I would say made me have an interest in writing, which I guess changed my life. So um, it's hard to pick one, but I would say anything by Stephen King. Um, when I, I don't read a lot of novels now, but when I did, um, anything by Stephen King. I remember reading um, Misery. Uh, it was one of my favorites and one of my favorite films. Um, and I remember I've always had a tough time reading novels just because I have ADD. Um, so I, I remember finding a, a book full of short stories by Stephen King. Um, and that, that was perfect for me because uh, I could focus on it long enough to get through a short story. Um, and they were just all fantastic. Um, and it, just his style. It's, it's what I refer back to when I'm thinking I'm writing something. And I'm like, this isn't realistic. And then I'm like, wait, neither is hardly anything Stephen King wrote. He doesn't ask your permission to invent this world, you know. He just pulls you into it. This is, hey, there's this, there's a fucking clown that, you know, haunts kids. And that's, that's just it. You can't question it. So I, I would say anything by Stephen King is my final answer. Nice. Where can our listeners go then to find out a little bit more about you and your projects and what you're up to? Um, I'm working on... Uh, getting a website up. I'm just not that great with technology, um, but I do um, do keep try and keep people up to date on my Instagram, which is just my last name, Lyle underscore Kevin. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I, you can look me up on IMDb. Also, if anyone out there, this is a shameless plug for a website that I co-founded with my best friend. Um, it's it's a really useful tool though it's it's called digital writers room so it's just digitalwritersroom.com and what it is is um if you have a screenplay and you'd like to hear a table read of it with uh, professional actors um you can kind of pick and choose depending on if they're available we have a list of actors on the website uh that have been in stuff from Grey's Anatomy to Mad Men Westworld and they will 
do a table read of your screenplay and you listen to it live on Zoom. Um, and then they give you feedback at the end. Um, and we have some other um, resources on there as well um, that are available. But it's really cool and it's really um, – yeah, it's it's fun to hear, but it's also really useful. Like sometimes you think your dialogue is spot on, but then you hear, hear it read um, out loud by an actor, and you're like, "Hmm, it's actually kind of cringy," you know. So it's it's a useful tool uh, as well as you know, it's just a really cool thing to hear your your work read by actors, um, and then to hear them give their take on it and give you feedback at the end is is pretty cool. So um, if anyone is interested or has a screenplay out there that they uh, would like to hear read by actors, um, drop us an email on there and we'll see what we can get set up for you. That's a really cool concept. I definitely think it's one of those things that um, writers can and should make use of. Because like you say, you hear dialogue read aloud sometimes and it just doesn't sound as good as it did in your head. Exactly, exactly. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really great and inspiring chat. Oh, well, thank you, Christina. I hope uh, somebody out there got inspired to get off their cell phone and go write um, during this. And I, I, again, I appreciate you having me. I've followed um, you for a while. So it's been an honor and uh, I'll keep in touch. Did you find this episode enlightening? Don't forget to hit that shiny, shiny subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Why have I got dog fur on my neck? Like, what? <laughs> She's not trying to strangle you. It's fine. Yeah, death by Westy. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, give us a subscribe and hit the like button. It really helps other writers to find our videos and it lets us know what kind of content you want more of. And don't forget, you can support the writer's mindset over on Patreon for less than your favorite coffee a month. Join our growing gang of writers to get early access to episodes, bonus content and writing workshops. Visit patreon.com forward slash writer's mindset to find out more. See you next time. Keep writing.